fancy job, but it makes a man watchful and a little lonely. Come on in for an evening of poems and stories about the American West. A land of legend, of romance, of friendship and courage. A motherload of remembrance. A true showcase of the Old West with the old cowboy, J.C. Holsey. The second month of 2016 is upon us, and I'm extremely pleased with the way we left 2015. We saw the beginning of our new publishing company, Outlaws Publishing, and our online radio show, The Wild West Showdown. And Outlaws Publishing has already signed two great authors in January of the new year. And we're negotiating with several others. We also begin a new endeavor, the Outlaws Echo Digital Magazine. We've got great plans for it. I get asked a lot of times, how come you're doing all these different things? You're an author, you're a publisher, you're an online radio host, and now you're starting a digital magazine. When are you going to slow down? My answer, hopefully never. I hope to grow our Outlaws Publishing franchise into something that will be recognized and remembered far into the future. So what is my plans for the future? It's my desire to continue to help all authors, whether they become a part of Outlaws or not. Why would you do something like that, you ask? If they're not part of your publishing company? Well, are you an author? Are you a singer, a poet, or a songwriter? Do you remember the passion that you had when you first began? And you should still have that same passion today. Well, I remember. I remember the feeling I had when I first heard my voice over the car radio. Or that fantastic feeling I had when I held my first book in my hand and when my Traveler Series won first place in the Texas Authors Association Contest. That's the same passion that I have today. I want to help other authors who are struggling to get their stories out where the readers can enjoy them. I want to help singers and poets by giving them airtime on the Wild West Showdown or to include their work in the Outlaws Echo Digital Magazine. As I said, that's my passion, my desire, and with your help, I believe we can make all these things not just a dream, but a reality. Together, we can conquer all obstacles and overcome all the horrible setbacks that happen in this world of ours. In the near future, I'd like to locate a venue to have a book signing for authors to participate and enjoy. I handed out a lot of business cards lately, and some of them paid off. I met a young lady at the doctor's office. I learned she is an artist, and she's already drawn a picture for the Outlaws Echo Digital Magazine. Her name is Shandy Schaefer. If you haven't checked out her art, you need to do that over at theoutlawsecho.com. How about friending her on Facebook? Tell her how much you enjoyed her picture. We've also got Chapter 2 of John D. Fye's The Bender Brothers and another short story by best-selling author W.R. Benton called The Cowboy's Snipe Hunt. Now that's bound to be a good one. We've also got some poetry by Mag Mawinney. Now when you take a ride over to the Outlaws Echo Digital Magazine, remember, it's still new and it's still growing. So if you see anything that needs to be improved, why don't you drop me an email at jc at and while you're at it, send me a short story. Send a poem, a tall tale, even a riddle or a joke. Anything that you want to share with us, send it to jc at theoldcowboy.net. Now let's listen to Steve Maynard with a song from his album, One More Day to Live. This one's called A Bad Time to Come By.
Thank you, Steve. That was a good one. It might be a bad time to come see Steve, but it's never a bad time to come to outlawspublishing.com or go to outlawsecho.com. Any of our websites is a good place to be. What is the infatuation with a cowboy life? Charles Moreau Harger wrote in Scribner's Magazine in 1892, the cowboy with his white, wide-trimmed hat, his long leather cattle whip, his lariat, and his clanking spur is a thing of the past. That was written in 1892. Now, while Haggard's description wasn't exactly correct, the cowboy life continues to have an impact on mainstream culture even today. Few other Western themes have spawned such a rich vocabulary, 
created such distinctive clothing or inspired unique genres of literature, poetry, music, and dance. Cowboys come from many different backgrounds and traditions. Some grew up around cattle on western ranches, while others had run away from home or crossed the ocean in search of work and a new life. African American, Native American, Hispanic, and even English and Scottish cowboys worked side by side with native-born white cowboys on ranches and cattle drives. The many faces of the cowboy reflect a more colorful, authentic story of the West than the homogenized image created by the novels and movies. The many faces of the cowboy reflect a more colorful, authentic story of the West than anything that is created by novels and movies. Now let's take a little break and listen to Luke Bell singing Rattlesnake Man. Baby, and you understand I take it down low Like it never been before I'm taking so low Get low, get low, get low Did you ever see me In a honey pot Where you open the lid She fly in the top She eat that honey And when she's ready to leave Lord, the wings is covered In the sweet get back to talking about the cowboy lifestyle. For young cowboys and buckaroos, working cattle wasn't just a job. It was also a lifestyle. A lifestyle that was lived in the freedom of the outdoors and most of the time on horseback. Though the seasonal nature of his work might require moving from ranch to ranch, the cowboy could always expect room and board plus his wages. A working cow hen in the late 1800s was paid 25 to $30 a month and found. 
The phrase and found meant he also got his meals and a bunk when he was at the ranch headquarters. A top hand might even get $40 a month and a foreman $50 or more. On a cattle drive, a trail boss was sometimes paid as much as $100. By comparison, back then, a typical schoolteacher's wage was $30 a month, and dinner in a restaurant would usually cost about 25 cents. The quality of a ranch's bunkhouse and chuck wagon grub often determined how long a cowboy stayed on a particular spread. Webster's Dictionary doesn't do justice to a cowboy's interpretation of culture. For the frontier cowboy, culture meant his horse and saddle, his lariat cracking in the air, and the smell of burning hair and flesh as the red-hot branding iron met the height of a calf. For a cowboy, culture is sleeping under a blanket of stars, tasting the dust on a long, hot trail drive, smelling thick, steaming coffee on a frosty morning. A cowboy's culture is defined by his tools and his trappings, from custom-made boots and hats to hand-tooled saddles and finely braided riatas. The popular appeal of this cowboy equipment in America as well as abroad symbolizes the magnetism of the cowboy and his hold on the nation's collective psyche. By reputation, cowboys never walked if they could ride, so their saddle became their favorite useful possession. Over the course of 150 years, the shape of the western stock saddle adjusted to the needs of the men who worked cattle from horseback. The classic American stock saddle of the 1850s through the 1870s evolved from saddles developed by the vaqueros of northern Mexico and California. The saddle had to be a comfortable and secured seat for riders who spent long hours on horseback. Now how about some cowboy poetry, or should I say, cowgirl poetry? Here's Mag Mawinney with one of her award-winning poems. That dumb cow blues. That dumb cow blues. It was cattle moving day on the ranch, and the longhorns were loaded up first. Twisting their heads, they squeezed through the chute, followed by the calves that they'd nursed. The next load we thought would be easy. There were only a few left to haul. But one cow turned tail to the bushes, hunkered down there and started to bawl. There were three of us circling the tree line, and two stood their ground near the slough. Then who should appear in a meadow but that dumb cow without any clue? She doubled back through all of the dead fall and crashed through a spot in the fence. But her calf was corralled with the others, so her fight to escape made no sense. Three horses were saddled for roundup, with each riding three different ways. But the search for that dumb cow was useless, cause she'd vanished in that thick wooden maze. We'd about given up on the hunt, when something moved nearby the corral. There, standing on the top of a knoll, was that black brazen huzzy from hell. She turned heading back where she came from, galloping at a thoroughbred's pace. I ran to the fence for protection when I saw that mean look on her face. She thundered over rocks in the swampland with the cowboys hot on her trail, but she deeped them all out in the brambles with a snort and a swish of her tail. The three cowboys alit from their saddles with nary a kind-hearted word for the cow that had cost them the daylight that they'd needed for loading the herd. It was dusk by the time that we saw her, with a calf we were using for bait. Though that dumb cow looked good as a mama, we thought she'd look best on a plate. Thank you, Mag. That was great. 
We're going to be hearing more from Meg in the future. Now we're going to visit with a young man who has been a tremendous help to this old cowboy and to Outlaws Publishing. Publicist Nick Whale. Nick literally started his business with an old beat-up laptop, and he's built it into one of the premier publicity companies in the world. I'm extremely proud to have Nick on board at Outlaws Publishing and to call him friend. We want to welcome to the Wild West Showdown today, publicist Nick Whale. Welcome, Mr. Whale. Howdy, JC. How you doing? Uh, I'll be all right. How about yourself? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, fighting off the cold weather here in England. What What is the weather like there in England? Pretty cold and miserable. We'd like some of your uh, Georgia sunshine. You do know we're located in Texas, don't you? Texas, but Georgia sunshine is a song, isn't it? Okay. What? How did you get in the business that you're in, Mr. Whale? Well, it really started with the amount of horror stories that I was hearing about uh, the book business at, at large. Um, a lot of people being mistreated, a lot of people who couldn't get good promotion. And really it comes down to two things. One, doing the work, and two, knowing what work to do. And a lot of people were suckered into these ideas of buying packages and going with very expensive services. And it doesn't have to be that way. What it does have to be is constant. So I came up with the idea of constant promotion. And it's something, it's an affordable monthly promotion package that would roll on. And it's, it, it was done to, to fit any pocket, so you don't have to worry about it or get a mortgage. And that's really how I got into it. It was just the need to help people. All right. How long have you been doing this? Oh, four, four years now. I understand you have movie stars, TV executives, uh, medical companies. Well, I have a corporate side. That's, um, that's for corporate uh, projects. Uh, for which I work for people in the medical industry. And I, I work for several of the finest companies in the medical industry and do their promotion and advertising for them. And on the entertainment side, I have a large clientele. I have actors, singers, dancers, people like that, you know? Are you married? Do you have children? Um, I don't have any children. I am married. We are a dog family. We have a dog. And I live in a comfortable, leafy suburb of, of England. Have you got any advice for a new author coming up? You have to be careful with people who have guarantees. The publisher, of course, is, is entitled to a guarantee because they can do all the things they promise. Um, but you have to be careful with people who come out the woodwork and want to tell you that they can make you famous overnight, that they can sell X amount of your books in such a short period. Promises in the book business and in the promotion side of the book business do not exist. There are no promises. There is hard work. And there is hope, there is uh, educated guess, but there is no guarantee. There is no guarantee that if you can work with me, gave me your dollars, that I could make you famous. That, 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 that there just isn't any guarantee. So let's get that straight from the beginning. All right. What there is is a systematic approach towards helping you sell more books. Now that means promotion, interviews, posting, keywords, optimization, landing page, mailing lists building a connective bridge between you and your reader. That is what it is. It's about building a fan base. Fan bases are not built overnight. You do not wake up one day and suddenly somebody was pouring money through your letterbox saying, I'm your fan. That happened after they decided they liked your books and brought the different books and brought the different products that you were pushing forward. You have to start small and you build it up. So the only thing, I, the biggest advice I can get is that shortcuts 
and promises are not in any way you should not trust a promise alright you just named off a whole bunch of things that you're going to do for a, an author why does he have to sign with you why can't he do all this himself yes you can do it yourself and you can, and the people will tell you you can do it yourself and it's excitable and, 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 and it's exciting and you can do it all yourself but you've got to ask yourself can you really do it yourself do you want to do it yourself and do you really know how to do it yeah that's what I found out and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings but a big majority of authors don't understand the publicity side of the book market and that's why I think we need a publicist a very well-known businessman once told me that he never never did anything himself other than make the decisions to hire other people and the reason he did that was because he knew that he could not do it all himself and nor did he want to do it himself he wanted to be successful he wanted to enjoy being successful he didn't want to sit around doing the goat work and it is goat work it is boring tedious work promoting a book it is not exciting work it's not uh, it's not madman it's not sitting around drinking and smoking and, and taking client accounts it is tedious posting work it is a boring job posting books around the internet and that's the reason outlaws publishing hired Nick Whale publicist because we don't have the time we don't have the talent we needed a professional it's not just professional uh, not just being professional JC it's dependability um, it's all very well me saying to you JC we can do this 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 and this and this but what it really comes down to it isn't being able to be good at making ads it isn't good at posting it's being able to do the work you need to have the time you need to know when to do it you need to put in the effort you need to get it done so it's a lot of things you have to ask yourself when you come to promoting the book writing the book is anybody can write a book you just write the book and you press go and off it goes or you go to JC and off it goes he does it for you promoting a book is its own animal and it's time dedication it's affordability sometimes it's, it's, more, it's, it's cheaper to hire somebody than it is to do it yourself now you might say to me well how can that be if I'm doing it myself it's free but it's not free because your time is paid for as well you are losing money by doing it yourself if somebody wanted to sign with you how soon could they start making money depends uh, number one we'd have to this is something we discuss early on as you and I did JC it is a case of um, what is the book westerns tend to start bringing in returns pretty quickly um, thrillers again you can make a return pretty quickly um, when you have a niche book the, the fisher's guide to fish probably not very quickly so what you have to ask yourself is how much is my book going to make in the future well let's see a western can make ten thousand dollars in a month well then you are probably going to be very happy if you are writing the fisherman's guide to fish you might sell two copies a month in which case there's no point in promoting it really because you're only going to have the audience you've, you've decided on you're going to have fishermen and you have to ask somebody like myself what potentially could this make if we did this if we did this all right. and then you have to make a decision from there on in there is no how long how soon can I expect to get a check when can I go to go to Majorca on holiday there is none of that well you know of all of everything you said there the only thing that I really heard was ten thousand dollars in a month now are, mm -hmm. you, are you telling me I can make ten thousand dollars in a month if I write a western sure you can you could also uh, fly up to the moon and find that's made of cheese I mean, and I could tell you any number of things you could do. You could decide to turn this radio show off right now. You could also make twenty, thirty, forty thousand. You make fifty thousand. If you wanted, you make a hundred thousand. You could also make ten dollars. 
do not put figures on books and keep the figure in your mind look at what you've written how much would you pay for the book you've written if you if it were promoted if you saw it would you buy it would you look at the cover would you buy it if the answer is yes to all those things you come and see a guy like myself we look at what your book could possibly make okay all and right. that's the thing Jesse the one thing I want to stress here is that for maybe for one of the few times anybody's going to hear in the book world I want to be the one who says the truth your book could make a lot of money your book could make no money it is not a business it's like betting but it's a bet that can pay off if you do the work now how can people if people wanted to hire you how could they get in touch with you they can get in touch with me through my website they can get in touch with me through UJC they can they can email me directly at nickandnickwell.org um, any one of those they can also um, Skype me by searching me out on Skype and let's set up a time we can talk about what you actually got and what we could do with it I don't take on everybody who comes to me I do have a waiting list but let's talk let's see what you have and let's move forward from there alright sounds like a pretty good deal I will say it. it's probably in your best interest to talk to me before you start looking at other alternatives this sounds very big-headed of me, but I would like you to come and talk to me first so we can look at what you've got, so you have an idea of what you can expect. And even if you don't work with me, I would still like you to come over and ask me questions. Because there is no point in you going out there and having been ripped off. Being forewarned is being forearmed. Okay, you said you, uh, you don't take on everybody that gets in touch with you. What made you decide to take on Outlaws Publishing? Well, two things. Number one, it's Westerns. I love Westerns. Most people don't like Westerns in the book industry. The publishers, the agents, a lot of the promoters will stay away from Westerns. I love Westerns. I grew up in Westerns, and I've read Westerns, and I think they are an important historical look at America's past. I think they're important to the current generation because they are a hugely influential genre, and... That was a no-brainer. The other thing is, I, I, I also go very strongly on who I like and who I don't like. And when I talk to JC here, I get a very strong vibe that he's a good guy. And our, our aims are, uh, are similar. Um, but I don't always do that. You know, sometimes I will take a client on if I just know they have a very lucrative book and I want to be a part of the project. Sometimes I take a client on because I feel that they are being taken advantage of. Sometimes I want to help them fight their publisher to get their royalties. Sometimes I want to help them correct things that have gone wrong. There, there is no set standard. If you want help, I'm willing to give help, but I won't have anybody telling me what's right and what's wrong. If you're working with me, you will take my advice and you will make decisions based on my advice. The other thing is that I won't take on books that are explicitly erotic in nature. I will not take on things that are degrading, and I will not take on things that are stupid. And what I mean by stupid books is a 30-page novelette that makes no sense, a book that expounds or degrades an element of our society, and I will not be a part of political maneuvering within the book world. We're here for entertainment. Let's keep it entertainment. Well, we appreciate you being with us today on the Wild West Showdown. If we find somebody that needs a publicist, we'll be sending them your way. Thank you, JC. Thank you, Nick. We'll talk to you later. You bet, JC. It's been fun hanging out with you. Thank you, sir. We want to give a very special thanks to Luke Bell and Steve Maynard for sharing their music with us today. And thanks to Mag Mawinney for her award-winning poem.
And a great big thank you to our special guest today, Nick Well. You can find all these special folks on Facebook and other places across the Internet. I think you ought to go and friend them. Let them know you heard them on the Wild West Showdown. Maybe they can convince you to become part of the show. Why not let me know with an email, jc at outlawspublishing.com or jc at theoldcowboy.net. Now give out a holler and tell all them yahoos it's time for some cowboy wisdom. If it don't seem like it's worth the effort, it probably ain't. This is the old cowboy saying adios and happy trails. Come on back next week to the Wild West Showdown with the old cowboy J.C. Holsey.